Welcome to the Big Fat Gay Podcast, where we like to talk about the things that are weighing on our minds. My name is Michael, and I am a very satisfied chaser because I got a visit from Santa last night. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> Did he come down your chimney? <laughs> Was it a white Christmas? <laughs> a good chaser Jesus. never tells. <laughs> We're not even 10 seconds in, and we just lost our family-friendly tag. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> good Lord. Uh, hi there. My name is Don. I am a big chubby guy living in sunny Hollywood, and I am the New Year's resolution from last year that you managed to keep. Oh. <gasps> Oh, oh, what the hell was that? I forgot. Anyway, what? A, yeah, I forgot about you entirely. <laughs> Reza, who? Uh, my name is Dan Oliverio. I'm a chubby chaser, author, public speaker, uh, and I am, I too am a satisfied chaser. We had a lovely Christmas, uh, perhaps not as white as Michael's, you know, because <laughs> he had things falling from the sky but uh <laughs> it's it was it was lo it's a lovely lovely uh brisk christmas here in los angeles nice i'm Trevor Kizan. i'm a super chub and i am a uh i'm a little worn out guy i'm like the yeah the little kid <laughs> under the christmas tree on a pile of presents guarding them oh. like a, a dragon of sorts <laughs> um and snoring I, yes um i had a very nice time at our little we had a virtual Christmas party, but I, w I was very tired afterwards. And then our uh, our Christmas dinner that was supposed to be like easy and reheat actually had a lot of additional steps. Uh oh, we, our easy our easy reheat Christmas dinner turned into almost cooking Christmas dinner. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. oh no! What was what was in it? Out of curiosity, what did you get to have? I mean, it was lovely. It was prime rib and it was uh, broccoli and mm. cheese with onion toppers and uh, a borzon mashed potatoes and mm. uh, some uh, carrots that I still yummy. can't figure out. They were a glazed <laughs> carrots that he loved and I hated. Yeah, it was a honey chipotle <laughs> lime glaze, um, which I thought was lovely. Huh. It did kind of like have tea notes to it. I, I felt like I was eating Earl Grey carrots. Oh, it was like oh. bergamot oh. on there, huh? There's a lot of bergamot. I don't know what it was, but it, I was I was not happy. But bergamot would be a good guess. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Well, I made for the very first time ever a uh, chocolate bourbon pecan pie. Um, mm. Oh, I also made a chocolate silk pie as a gift for. Um, but I ran into a problem because we didn't have a, a food processor here. And so I didn't get to make a proper crust. And I think the crust that I made, I made like a cookie crust instead. And it came out too thick. And it's kind of gummy. Mm. So I have notes. I have notes for the asshole who made that. I'm going <laughs> to bring them in and we'll make a better one next time. Well, is it really the recipe's fault if you made the crust too thick? Yes. Okay, go. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, apparently. <laughs> wow. What'd you do uh, for Christmas, Don? Oh, my, my Christmas 2020 can die in a fire. We're, 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 oh, no. I'm, hap I'm happy to see oh, no. it done. Oh, man. I'm that sorry. Happened. Or do you not want to talk it just, about it? You're still it, scarred. I mean, it was just, it, I, I feel like mine was just the epitome of the uh, 2020 Christmas. Oh. It was, you know, by myself. Hmm. You know, uh, even my roommate didn't come out of his room. So, like, I saw, like, oh, no. I saw no living people <laughs> yesterday. Um, oh, no. The uh, Christmas dinner I intended to have turned out to be uh, aborted because uh, the restaurant I was planning to just shut its doors on Christmas. Oh, was this some uh, um, oh, tally, no. Talleyrand or something like yeah, that? Yeah, it, it just th was the closest thing I could find to something traditional. And then mm -hmm. everything else was closed. So I, uh, I mean, except for like 
fast food restaurants and Chinese and that sort of thing. Yeah, so I had yeah. leftover Chinese food. Oh. Um, mm. I and did go to I did take a drive on Christmas Eve. I went up to see uh Christmas Tree Lane. Oh. Uh, a little spot here in Los Angeles where I guess the city decorates the trees in front of the houses and then all the homeowners decorate their houses. Oh sweet. But oh, half the homeowners nice. decided not to participate this <gasps> year. Wow. Um and th- th- there was one highlight of that where one homeowner just went above and beyond. His home was decorated with uh, Christmas tree lights, like everywhere. It was beautiful. Um, Biden posters and wow. the coronavirus is real posters. <laughs> and to top it all off, they hired an aerialist to perform oh on silks in their front yard for at least an hour. What? Oh, my gosh. Uh, on Christmas Eve. That okay. is the definition of extra. Yeah, it was extra. But... They put out warnings saying you shouldn't get out of your car right. uh, because they wanted to keep it COVID separate. And everyone stopped their cars and gathered shoulder to shoulder. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. To watch the aerialist. I mean, they were all wearing masks because, you know, the aerialist is performing next to signs saying, wear your fucking mask. <laughs> uh, but it was just a weird man. Well, <laughs> listeners, how was your Christmas? Yeah. Can we leave a little pause? Hey. Oh, I'm either oh, I'm happy or nice. sorry for you. I like that. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so sorry. sorry. That's terrible. <laughs> well, let's... well, I say <laughs> I say we dive into our the ten minutes into the show. Yeah. <laughs> we dive into <laughs> our uh, our mailbag. We have a, a follow up uh, mailbag. Mailbag music. Hold on, you gotta play the mailbag music. Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, okay. Rip, tear open. Okay, that's a letter, and we're <laughs> opening it. And okay, um, we have we had a listener write in uh, right after we did our uh, our chaser episode a couple weeks ago, um, and this is sort of a new perspective which we haven't talked about nearly enough on this show. And we actually had somebody else write in a couple days ago asking us to talk about the chub for chub perspective, um, which is fat men attracted to fat men. Um, and so this listener wrote us at the time, not sure if this had you know, if this would fit into our chaser discussion. Um, but I think it really does. It's oh, just it totally a slightly does. different perspective. Yeah. Um, does somebody want to kind of do a, a quick summary of, of what this guy's experience was, and then we can kind of talk about it uh, as a whole? Sure. Um, in sum, the, the listener talks about how he was a fat kid and the usual fat kid stories that all fat kids can relate to. But Mm -hmm. then being additionally confused by like there's the there's adding gay on top of that. And then the the sort of mystery ingredient is finding himself attracted to fat men, but not his own fat body and how he thought that. okay, and then finally figuring out there's such a thing as chubs and chasers. But that means that if I'm the chaser, I have to be thin, but that's not what I look and feel like. And sort of trying to wrap his mind around where does that leave him? And then uh, he said that he heard on our show this thing called Chub for Chub, uh, yeah. which is totally a thing. Um, it's often denigrated in the same way that often bisexuals are denigrated. Like, oh, that can't be real. You just can't make up your mind. Really? Uh, no, it's not that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Chub for Chub is is sort of sus- 
it, it, not in a lot of quarters, but I think a lot of the chub for chubs will tell you that they they get a little bit of grief for this in the same way that bisexuals get a little bit of grief for that. That is so weird. Okay. Yeah, because it's seen as it's seen that. as betwixt and between, and I I think that I mean maybe we should talk about that first, but I also want to follow up with there's a lot of in between there. There are a lot of other. I, I hate to use the word labels because people hate the word label, but there's a lot of other labels that people could be that look like chub for chub that I think it's important because sometimes, you know, if you, if you know you're a red fruit and you think, oh, well, all the other red fruits are going into apple pies. But when I go into an apple pie, it totally fails. And it's like, well, yeah, because you're a tomato, not an apple. Not all red fruit is actually the same fruit. Right. So it's labels can be very useful for figuring out not just who you are, but what you're looking for and how to sort through that. But we'll get to that later, perhaps, because I think mm -hmm. I think this is a really important thing to just put a mark in the sand that, yes, there is. Yes, Virginia, there is a chub for chub. <laughs> <laughs> and and I think the, the 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 true chub for chub is really just a fat chaser. You're a guy, you're fat and you think fat guys are really hot. And it's kind of that's sort of the basic chub for chub qualification. Yeah, and I thought a really interesting correlation between my sort of traditional chaser's perspective um, and this guy writing in was the idea that he's attracted to fat men, finds them attractive, but still fights with fights with his own self-image, mm -hmm. even though in theory, in quotes, he is a similar kind of body type as to what he's attracted to, but he's not, and he doesn't have a way of accepting himself because of how he grew up. Um, which is really interesting. To me, it's surprising to hear, right? Like I've always sort of worked on the theory that for chasers, it must be strange to be attracted to a body type that you don't have, right? Like like you must feel like, because I know like uh, for a lot of gay guys, they try and turn their body into the thing they're attracted to, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I thought that a chubby chaser, a chubby chubby chaser would be uh, more at ease, with that rather than less. So that, well, that's, that's perfect because that leads right into what I was going to say about the fact that, you know, fat oppression really covers everybody. It really is mm -hmm. the gunk on everybody's face. And for example, if let's say you're an ordinary garden variety chub, right? You might feel guilty that you think your chaser is getting too fat because you think, well, I'm fat. How could I possibly say anything about my being attracted to him if he's getting fat? Yeah. Um, and so or a lot of chubs feel guilty about not wanting to date someone else who's fat. And the chub for chub community was like, yeah, you should feel guilty about that because <laughs> we're a bunch of fat guys who <laughs> like fat guys and you should be dating us. Uh, and so there's a lot of cross currents here that really have their underpinnings in fat oppression and just the basic premise that it's not OK to be fat. That's got to change. And then dealing with either the guilt of liking it or the guilt of being it. Uh, or or and, and in some cases both. Yeah. The one that really got me in this um, in this listener's email was in a, a, a series of questions asking if I'm attracted to my fat partner. Um, but that means that, you know, it's it's less healthy th and that I'm attracted to him, uh, his weight and his size. Should does that mean that I need to stay fat and unhealthy, too, just so that we're in it together? <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and there was, you see healthism conflated to... with fat oppression, you know. It's... Mm -hmm. Right. And but which comes from being told that basically from day one, like it's hard to it's 
like we've talked about it a lot, but most people don't. Most people just conflate those naturally. I, I, maybe I should pitch in here because I get this a lot as, as somebody who's rather visible and talks a lot about this. I get the question a lot. How could you want to date someone unhealthy or how could you be attracted to someone who is by definition unhealthy because that, that's their definition of unhealthy? Mm -hmm. And yeah. What I say is, you know, first there's the health, there's the whole health argument, which we've talked a lot about. But then the other side of that is, you know, what if I were really into tall guys and I would only date tall guys? Nobody would ever say to me, oh, my God, you date tall guys. Gosh, they have back problems all the time. Why would you want to date someone so unhealthy and having back problems? Yeah, or if yeah. I were I'm just picturing mm -hmm. hitting their head on those doorways all the time. Oh, my, it's I mean, so unhealthy uh, to be that tall. They just have back problems. You know that. Or if I were attracted to black guys and someone says, you date black guys? Well, you know, that's so unhealthy. They get sickle cell anemia. I mean, they have a much higher rate of that. How could you want to be in bed with that? Like nobody says that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> because you don't date a statistic. Yeah. And and unfortunately, it's the, the conflation of fat and unhealthy is so ubiquitous that it's hard to hard to convince people to even think in a different way because it just it's the same for most people well and it my just... point is that it's not even really about health because when it comes to other groups of people who have bad health outcome statistics nobody worries about that in a relationship well and right people you know see the like typical you know a gay go-go boys who many of which are just pumping an insane amount of drugs Oh, totally. You know, various drugs into their system, but they appear to be healthy. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, like a like a protein bar or something that has a lot of the what's the sugar that makes you shit yourself? Oh, uh, oh, oh, wow, Manitol. Manitol. Yes. Um, I, <laughs> we're just like it's the, this healthy facade. Um, it, are you saying go-go boys are sugar-free Haribos? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm afraid. I think it's even worse than that because a lot of the stuff I see on my on my feed talks about like, oh, this guy really let himself go. And he's he's gone from being on diuretics and steroids to being a normal human being eating normal food. And he's gained like six pounds and you can and he no longer has an eight pack, but now only has the shadow of abs and they're talking about oh he's totally let himself go and wow he's really porked up not going to the gym and it's like no he stopped taking drugs mm, that's what right. happened <laughs> i remember uh pictures of zach efren coming out earlier this year mm -hmm. uh and everyone saying like zach efren's rocking the dad bod and i'm like i know so many dads who would kill literally kill someone to get that <laughs> absolutely bod. you know <laughs> i mean he's blessed with an amazing body and metabolism and then to enhance that through, I mean, I don't know what he's doing, but I'd, believe me, he's not eating like a normal human being and he's not taking nothing. So getting back to the, I think the core of the the listener's letter, which is really about the Chub for Chub experience and his kind of struggle with make, making it all make sense. Um, is there, amongst the four of us, is there any like hands-on Chub for Chub? Like, do, do you have friends who are Chub for Chub or like, oh, yeah. or... Like, for instance, I uh, have a friend who, you know, is with a chaser, um, normal size, but is also very much into the idea of a chub for chub experience or like a group experience and is less constricted by, I, I think, what, you know, you know, usually a chaser is like, I'm really only into fat guys. But in this guy's case, the chub is really open to a lot of different ranges of body types, including chubs and chasers. Um, which isn't to say that it's exactly a chub for chub thing, but I think it's interesting that 
there is a lot of gray area and there's a lot of overlap. Yeah. And I think that's the problem when you look at labels from just the outside. Like, they're, mm -hmm. you know, if both guys are fat, it must be chub for chub. No, not at all. <laughs> they could just be right, right. two fat guys who happen to be in love. That That's not chub for chub. That's just guy for guy. And they have a particular <laughs> and they have a particular body that, you know, looks like chub for chub. I know, you know, I have a friend who had kind of the opposite experience where he was exclusively chub for chub and then he fell in love with a chaser. Um, hmm. And I think it's just an interesting, you know, uh, I think because of the whole label thing, people do get very constrained in there feeling like I have to be within this box. Yeah, that's interesting. And my, my point about the labeling is that too often the labels are misapplied because they're they're judged by externals. And that, for example, if you have it is very possible to find a gainer who has always been fat, who has struggled with accepting his fat body, but then does, you know, who, who then looks at a fat guy, just an ordinary, you know, run of the mill garden variety chub and goes, wow, that's really hot. Well, that's not exactly chub for chub because the guy's actually a gainer, which is a very different sexuality than a chub or a chaser. It's a kinked sexuality. Mm -hmm. And so different rules sort of apply there. So for example, I wouldn't call a gainer who's into fat guys chub for chub. That's It's a little bit different. And it's it's making the mistake of assuming that an apple and a tomato are the same thing because they both are round and red. Right, right. So the takeaway for me is, is really actually something he just he writes in his own email, which is that he heard for the first time the term chub for chub on our show this year. Mm. Um, and but I don't know exactly how old he is, but just the fact that you can you can make those sorts of discoveries really at any point in your life, whenever it is that you're exposed to something like that, which might help you crack open some of those uh I guess mental vices that that have been holding you for for your life. Um so I don't know that that necessarily solved any problems for him, but hopefully it at least opened his eyes and helped him to start to piece together some of those those missing elements uh, that he didn't really have access to. Yeah. And most dating sites, like, for example, Bigger City, they have a, a denomination called Chub for Chub. You can identify, you can tick the box for Chub for Chub. Mm -hmm. And all I would say is make sure that's what you mean. Because if you don't want to get hit up by uh, lean chasers, then that is exactly the box to tick. On the other hand, if you're just a fat guy who's open to dating other fat guys, ticking the chub for chub box might exclude you from the, the chaser crowd who are going to be like, oh, well, I'm not going to bother with that because I've learned mm -hmm. from past experience they don't appreciate my attention. <laughs> <laughs> so it, just make sure you mean it. And where you can go if you're open to both, my advice would be to put something in the profile like, you know, I'm also open to dating big guys. And many big guys say, I'm not open to dating big guys. Like they're, they're, they're clear about it and that's fine. You know, give, give people mm -hmm. something to, to go by. Right. Well, uh, hopefully that was helpful for our listener and thank you so much for writing in. Um, if anybody else has, uh, anything they want to write to the mailbag segment, we love doing them and, uh, feel free. So moving on to some pop culture. Yes. Um, nope, we don't have pop culture music. I don't know. Uh, no, none. No, none. <laughs> um, so there was, uh, this photo spread in out, which Don actually emailed it to us. Um, but I have seen it kind of spreading, I don't know, like waves, like a like a tsunami is coming um, <laughs> and just through all these different circles. Um, but it's an out and it's uh, called the Arrested Movement series addresses male body positivity one nude at a time. 
And it's this photo series from artist um, Anthony Patrick. I'm going to say Minari. Um, sorry if that's if, if he's listening and that's incorrect. Um, but he basically wanted to um, address the lack of male representation in body positivity. Um, and it's just an amazing photo series, these black and white nudes of uh, men of all different shapes and sizes and colors and um, uh, some disability and just, I mean, just very inclusive. And it's, I think it's really brilliant too, because I mean, you start with the the message, which we'll get to in a second, but just the addressing the photos themselves for a second there, it's called arrested movement because the photo is taken right at a point of momentum for the for the model. So if they're mm -hmm. about to leap into the air, you get this snapshot right before or after that motion takes place. And it just displays the human form in a really interesting and elegant way. Um, in addition to all the things that Trevor just said about the diversity of mm -hmm. the models as well. Well, and, and playing on that, it's the, it plays against the stereotype and the prejudice that, you know, fat people are lazy because these are fat people that are in motion and you've captured that, as you say, that exquisite arrested movement. We've arrested this beautiful arc at one point to be able to appreciate the beauty of that. And I think mm -hmm. that it really subverts expectation in that way. And I think that I imagine that's part of the artist's design. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things I liked about it also is that it's not uh, exclusive one body type. It is, it is specifically a, a spectrum yes. where they're all considered equally, including uh, what people considered standard bodies, what uh, a couple disabled bodies that are missing limbs in movement. It was really beautiful. I loved the, uh, you know, inclusivity of all of, the, all of the bodies, all of the races, all of the motion. Mm -hmm. It's great. My favorite one is literally this like beautiful fat man leaping like gazelle through the mm -hmm. air. Yeah. And he just looks so graceful and poised and comfortable and like totally flies in the face of what, you know, your average, average person might think of when they think of a fat person. And I will say, if you see this photo and you're like, I want me some, some meaty gazelle. <laughs> that man is on bigger city <laughs> so uh, you can go on the prowl uh, he's available like for a, parties. yes <laughs> thank you for that Trevor. yes <laughs> hello everyone this is michael uh from the future it's about 2 a.m and i am editing this episode and uh, we had agreed that we should probably put a trigger warning in for this next topic uh which has to do with eating disorders uh, if that's not something that you're looking to hear about right now, you can skip to 28 minutes and 48 seconds in this episode, and you should be able to enjoy everything else that follows. Thank you. Um, and kind of uh, continuing the uh, the theme of I don't know body positivity and lack of male inclusion. Um, this kind of came up in my um, I want to come up with a name for the the Google News aggregator that I use for all things fat because I feel like there is some. Um, it feels very sci-fi when I get this. Um, email of content at the end of day, the day. Um, but this is from Yahoo News, and it is um, an eating disorder recovery advocate encouraging men to seek treatment. And I wanted to share this just because I've been seeing in the fatosphere a lot of women talking about eating disorders and kind of how this is a very triggering time of year for people who are who have had eating disorders who are currently struggling with an eating disorder um, just because there is, you know, you're seeing family, you're dealing with other people's food trauma. 
there is a big emphasis on food around the holidays and then also New Year's resolutions. So maybe, I don't know if we want to maybe drop in a little clip of this. I'm a part of the musical theater community, and I'm also a gay man. And both of those communities really encourage eating disorders and kind of nourish them. Luckily, I got connected with a registered dietitian and a really wonderful therapist, and I've been pursuing recovery since. But when it came to finding men's resources, male support groups, recovery groups, I came up short, and it made me feel very, very alone. According to the Veritas Collaborative, one-third of people with eating disorders are men, but they only account for one-tenth of people in recovery. What I would tell myself uh, at the peak of my struggles with my eating disorder is that recovery is so deeply worth it, and life gets so much better. Your body exists to move, think, organically function, etc. You have an obligation to love it enough to feed it, to fuel it. I think it's important to draw attention to the fact that men also uh, struggle with eating disorders at a high rate. I think especially gay men even more. And then I think they don't really look at the the intersection of, you know, men, gay men, and fat men, gay men. Um, yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting. The speaker points this out in the video. Uh, isn't it interesting how the two groups of people who have who struggle the most with eating disorders are the people who are trying to get the attention of men? It's mm-hmm. it's straight women. Yeah, you know, it's usually straight women, although not exclusively, and a lot of gay men. And the, yeah. the other thing I want to say about the men the the two misperceptions about eating disorders and disordered eating would be this that I would point to. Number one, it's often thought that, well, you can't have an eating disorder if you're fat because, you know, unless you just count eating too much. That is not true. It is possible mm-hmm. to be fat and bulimic. It's ev- it is possible to be fat and rest- and restrict food. And it's it's not a diet. It's called not eating. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a disordered eating. But in the other sense, the other thing that where a lot of men get into eating disorders is in sports. I was at a an eating disorder conference in Toronto a couple of years ago, and one of the things that people were talking about was just how rampant disordered eating is in things like wrestling. I mean, obviously it depends on the sport, but particularly wrestling where it's all about weight mm. uh, yeah, and things boxing, like that. I would think but too. they don't think of it as an eating disorder. They think that's called training. They mm-hmm. think dehydrating right. themselves and skipping a week a week's worth of meals is, you know, training. Yeah, so one thing that that stuck out to me about this article was the quote right at the bottom uh, advice for somebody if you're a friend of somebody that you think might be struggling with an eating disorder um if you're quote if you're noticing that someone in your life is struggling don't comment on their food or their body at all mm-hmm. invite them to talk about how they feel how they're feeling and just listen um and if you two get to a comfortable place uh then you can encourage them towards a therapist or a registered dietitian to help with whatever concerns they express to you but it's really not helpful to just dive in with your thoughts about their weight <laughs> or their eating habits it's true of all substances uh, i was about to say the same thing <laughs> yeah, yeah it's like even if the person doesn't have an eating disorder even if they're just fat like it's yeah. really not okay to give your opinion about their body and what they should do about it yeah yeah but and, i uh, here here's here's a counterpoint they're not counterpoint but just an i guess a a d- better description then this is going to get into something I might want to talk about later in the episode, but it's, I think that also applies for me and for probably more than just me to people 
giving what they think are compliments about how you look. Where it's mm. not like a judgment or advice. It's like, oh, you're looking really thin today. Like, what have you been doing? That's so. <laughs> and it, and for for a lot of people, I'm sure it just it's like nails on a chalkboard. It's like mm-hmm. I I actually really don't need to hear that. I don't want to hear that. That's not helping me. Like Trevor was saying about the holidays. Like, I think one of the reasons why people with eating disorders can can be triggered by the holidays is also that if you're able to fight it and you're able to start building yourself out of it and you're able to get the support that you need in your normal life, you you have to create some measure of control around that. And when you put yourself outside of your home environment, you put yourself into other stressors and other triggers for the holidays, uh, you're losing a lot of that control you've built for yourself. Um, and that can be really scary. And so having people sort of throw in their own input, whether they think it's positive or not, is just extremely unhelpful. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, this is difficult. It's a difficult conversation. Yes. But so much of what we went through in 2020 was a difficult conversation. Well, yeah. I, I, I mean, but there's got to be some things here that from 2020 that are worth keeping. Oh, hold on. We got, yes. we still got Lizzo watch. <laughs> Including Lizzo Watch. <laughs> <laughs> it's Lizzo Watch 2020. The last one. Yeah, it's, it's the, the last, last one. one. It's the last one. It was and such a good transition. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Kill your darling son. <laughs> it's uh, it's Lizzo Watch. It's 2020. It's the end of 2020. It's barely 2020. Oh, thanks. And I am gonna say. <laughs> With the end of 2020 is going to come the end of Lizzo Watch, <gasps> um, which I know there's. I feel like I always imagine people listening while driving, and I feel like someone just like swerved off the road. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> dropped their coffee mug in the yeah. kitchen floor. Um, it, as you know, we I, we said in the last episode, it has been kind of you know we didn't expect Lizzo Watch to like become this huge thing. Um, and actually, mm. th- I was talking about this with someone. Uh, at our little virtual Christmas party yesterday. Um, but 2020 was a big year for a lot of things, uh, including Lizzo. I mean, the the start of the year was kind of when we saw Lizzo skyrocketing towards fame. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, coronavirus happened too. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. Um, I've heard of that. that <laughs> but I thought uh, I would kind of share for the last Lizzo Watch 2020 um, the fact that Lizzo had a beautiful Christmas, which included buying a car for her mom, which um, she also kind of talked. She discussed this um, in her David Letterman interview, but how, you know, there was a point she was living in her car and she's actually living in her car when her dad died and was, you know, worrying about how after the death of her father, she was going to, you know, have to take over this role and care for her family and support them. Um, and she bought her mom a car for Christmas, which was kind of, you know, something she felt like was a milestone. It kind of like had come full circle in this point mm-hmm. of being at rock bottom, living in her car to being able to buy a brand new car for her mom for Christmas, mm. which I think is just, I don't know, a beautiful thing at the end of a terrible year. It is. Yeah. Um, and yeah. also, uh, she shared, uh, I, I want to share this meme because I want one and I'm sure other people will want. Um, a Lizzo Christmas pillow that um, <laughs> yeah. someone oh, on that's Etsy available? made. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I will link to the uh, the seller uh, on Etsy. I, I had 
put it aside, but uh, you'll find it on the website. Um, and I think maybe in our uh, first episode of the new year, maybe we will do like a little uh, a send off with some of our favorite Lizzo watch 2020 moments. Um, and I'm curious to see what 2021 will bring. Um, yeah, I, I mean, in general, we move. <laughs> while I know we're very comfortable with Lizzo watch and everyone loves it. It's important that we don't make it feel like there's only one person carrying. This. Yes. <laughs> right. Like she is not the be all and end all. And that's a good thing. She shouldn't have to be. No yes. one should have to be. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So and she, we're and she said as much as it. We're going to expand yeah, she did. it. We're going to put a spotlight on all the people that yes. are doing something worth noticing. Um, and yeah. who knows? Maybe they're uh, like, um, I don't know. Uh, Avengers. All these little <laughs> wormholes will open up and we'll have uh, an army <laughs> of, the allies, will of allies and we'll see who will rise up and take the uh, the infinity gauntlet. There's people who have no idea what I'm talking about. Which I, like I Lizzo, Lizzo will be standing there yeah. like with her makeup smeared, panting all alone. And then, you know, next to her, she'll just hear on your left. Yeah. And then. <laughs> <laughs> I think you guys have just gotten lost down the rabbit hole. Yes. <laughs> but um, thank you. I think the one thing. I'm just that picturing I'm the grateful, size of those holes that have to be for the chubby armors, armies to come through. I'm just. <laughs> pretty wide, wide holes. Wide holes. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm especially thankful in 2020 for Lizzo because it was a a beacon of hope in a poop of a year <laughs> and i want definitely want to carry lizzo forward into yeah. 2021 in my heart maybe not in lizzo watch but indefinitely in my heart yeah so thank you lizzo thank you lizzo don did you want to take another yeah. track of that segue <laughs> <laughs> that was me putting a little you baseball can damn on well edit my earlier one back in because that was perfect <laughs> Oh, no, I'm keeping it regardless <laughs> in the place that you said it. If you want to keep Lizzo and so many people do, what else is worth keeping from 2020? Brilliant. Yay. There's got to be some other stuff here. And that's our topic today. Well, I think everyone else is focusing on New Year's resolutions, which, let's face it, always suck. Uh, just no matter how positively you feel about it, making it on December 31st, by around January 5th, you're kind of hating yourself from the past for inflicting this on you. Um, and by the 10th, you've or forgotten it. it. But yeah, I was going to say, at best, you've forgotten. <laughs> yeah. But there are going to be some things from the year that I think are worth keeping. And Dan, what what was it you were calling it? I call these, instead of New Year's resolutions, I call these New Year's conservations. Things you want to keep the same. Things that you discovered in 2020 that actually kind of work for you and you're going to keep doing yeah. them. Which I'm very excited to talk about. I had, I, I don't, we didn't really discuss any of these ahead of time. So we kind of all are just showing up with a couple of things that we each would like to keep and, you know, theme around the be show more or less. Mm -hmm. there, there might be some overlap. Um, but yeah, is, do we want to do sort of a, a round table way yeah. again? Um, one each. So Dan, this uh, segment was your idea. Do you want to lead us <laughs> off with the first one? So, yeah, I was just thinking about, like I said, what do I want to keep the same? What is, it's another way it's another way of thinking about this is gratitude another way of thinking about this is what's working rather than always focusing we've had a big year of focusing on what's not working so what was working was that i found i was really much i much better off 
and survived a lot better when I didn't spend so much time on social media. Mm. And this actually came as an accident. My Facebook app on my phone stopped working, stopped logging in. And mm -hmm. I tried to reload it and then I was having trouble reloading it. And I'm like, why am I trying so hard? <laughs> what if I just. It's like once you get that breath of fresh air, you start realizing, wait, why was I breathing all that sulfur? Exactly. <laughs> oh my God. You know, when you stop beating your head against the wall, it feels so much better. And <laughs> so I, that, that was one thing is I, I took Facebook off my phone and have kind of left it off. And if I want to see what's on Facebook, you know, I have a laptop. I can go look there if I want. And I still have the messenger so I can still communicate with people. So that's fine. And then I think the other thing I discovered is I had never, I've been sort of political in the sense that, you know, I'm an extrovert. I have opinions. I talk a lot, but <laughs> it was in 2020 that I really got invested financially in giving to candidates and causes mm -hmm. and whether it was black theater companies or uh, particular politicians that are promoting what I think are things that need to be promoted. I got really invested literally in supporting these and I want to continue that uh, into the future years. I think that's important. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I, I just, it's a kind of, I don't know. It's an easy activism, but not everybody has that resource. And uh, I do at the moment. Yeah. So I thought I'd continue that. And I really like both of those because it in different ways, they're they're ways to handle and address the way that 2020 has sort of battered us around. I mean, I kind of also did a similar thing with social media as well, where at the beginning of the year, like I was sort of riding this high of like starting the show and kind of meeting a lot of people that we were able to communicate with and had a really great time being able to keep in touch on Instagram with fans of the show and, you know, friends of mine on Facebook. And then obviously things just devolved in as far as the state of the world. And I, I took a step back. Um, and then people have asked me actually like, why, like, Hey, are we, are we still friends? Like, I haven't <laughs> heard from you in a while. And I was like, yeah, you know, I we, totally, we are, I don't, I have, I have had to withdraw a lot from that world of social media, really specifically Facebook, but also, less time like maintaining conversations like on Instagram because every once in a while something pops up. It's like a, it's almost like a spoiler. It's like there's something you really want to take care of. Like, Oh, I really want to see that show. And then somebody shouts a spoiler at you, but except instead of a spoiler, it's like hate speech or something mm. <laughs> like you just accidentally pop up across like some terrible thing that tanks your mood and like makes you think about all of these other, and you just got to kind of protect yourself from that. And I can, I can appreciate that. I, for me, it's not so much protection. It's just I, I choose not to participate in it. Mm -hmm. You don't want to add to it, make it an echo chamber. You know, and being the age I am, it's, you know, it used to be I was on Facebook and then got off in the early days. And then I found I had to be on Facebook because not being on Facebook was like not having a phone. Mm -hmm. And now I think not being on Facebook is like not having a fax machine. Huh. <laughs> I feel like that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Well, very good. I'm, I'm, I hope you're able to continue those into the new year. Trevor, what do you uh, got? For me, let's see. I feel like I've been kind of the opposite of Dan where I have lost myself so many times <laughs> in social media during the years where it's like, oh yeah. Uh, 2020 is the year we wished all the grownups away. And it's like, I'm going to have, <laughs> I'm going to have candy for breakfast every day, which is me on social media. <laughs> and then I'm on that's, the floor. That's like, accurate. Oh, I don't understand why my stomach hurts. I had Facebook for breakfast. <laughs> um, 
Trevor but, is fat Macaulay Culkin. Yes. <laughs> um, no, but it's something I guess from just the just insane weirdness of the year is there's a few people that I reconnected with um, who I probably wouldn't have reached out to if it wasn't like, you know, uh, Home Alone meets Groundhog Day meets uh, World <laughs> War Z. Um, yeah. Where it's just like, I was just thinking about these people and I'm like, I don't even know like what's going on with them, you know? And I reached out to them and like have been, you know, having um, nice little quarantine conversations where it's like, we'll reach out every so often and be like, like, hey, I hope you're doing okay. It's like, yeah, I'm fine, you know, given everything. Mm -hmm. But just like, I'm hoping to maintain these like reconnected relationships and into the the normal times where I can actually see them and like really reconnect. So I definitely like, I think that's something I've, liked and want to keep going forward um something else is um making bread which i don't mean the early quarantine bread making hey. um <laughs> i mean hey do you guys well, no, remember Karen the, white the camp of when don's in the grow your own wheat camp jesus <laughs> <laughs> no i was gonna say don is in the camp that i am of oh, right. making bread in a bread maker are you done? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. Oh, yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. I thought you were. Um, I thought you were like flogging, threshing, and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I don't know. I feel like it is. Like I struggled with like making br- like you know, like a boule of bread for myself because it's like it's something I like to do for other people. Um, mm. And I have been kind of in like at the low points of quarantine, like remedial self care, where it's like, okay, I'm gonna shower. And eat something, and then I can. Yeah, I'm allowed to go back on Facebook and give myself a stomach ache. Um, <laughs> but it has just been some the making bread with you know. And once again, this is via bread maker. This is extremely low stakes bread making, <laughs> but it is just very nice, and it is a nice thing, especially with our bread maker. We can like set a delay so I can wake up to freshly baked bread yeah Uh, and there's still an art to it that's nice yeah you know like you're literally perfecting recipes that you know it's it's a good thing yes but uh to expand on that like and i completely agree with you um just the added outside of bread making people exploring their craftiness Mm, right Mm -hmm. people making things people trying new things you know this was the year for that and trevor's bread wish Fits very well on all of those things. I had a similar thing with cooking where at for most of quarantine, I was extremely lucky to have uh, my little sister and her husband cooking pretty much all the time. And they're they're brilliant cooks. So why would I why would I mess with success? <laughs> um, and then uh, I, I started dating my boyfriend, Michael, and we started dabbling in cooking our own meals sometimes. And I've always wanted to do that and never really never really went for it like never really dove in and actually i had to give some credit to the youtube channel uh binging with babish which yes actually mm-hmm. what is it called uh, babish culinary universe now yes. uh he's awesome i'm sure at least half of our listeners have heard of and seen his videos he's he's very popular but his whole his whole deal is to inspire people to cook and uh michael and i took on the um the duck carbonara uh, from his perfect bite episode and it is Ah, oh, it's so good. It's very labor intensive, but it is 
extremely delicious. All right, Michael, you're making that as the first meal when quarantine is done. You know what? When we can come back and do our first episode back in the same room together, I will fucking make you duck carbonara. I am in. Done deal. Yes. (laughs) We'll celebrate. Just bring some drinks uh, because I can do that very well. Yes, please do. <laughs> um, so I had a couple. I actually had a couple going in, and then I have since added a couple during the episode. <laughs> um, so we, I'm, I'm picking and choosing here. But the first one that I want to say, because I think in the long run it might be the most important on a global scale, is um, similar to Dan, like finding a way to contribute to social causes that I believe in outside of gay. Mm -hmm. So like I've been working for the Boston Gay Men's Chorus for years and years. It's been a way for me to stay in touch with my activist side in a, in a pretty easy way because it's also work. Um, But also working more for the chorus this year now, which has been a blessing and excellent and awesome and so rewarding. Also finding a way to make that my platform because I make videos for them with them that are based in large part around social change and inspiring people to think about the world differently and being able to use that platform to further the Black Lives Matter conversation um, with a couple of videos that we've been able to make, but also elevating the voices of the the other uh, members of the chorus who you know represent those other shades of of the human race that we all are able to sort of elevate those voices. And in this case, I'm able to do so through my videos has been really awesome. And I, I want to make sure that I keep doing that. And I want to keep myself honest with having had that opportunity this year uh, and, and also having future opportunities because I'm going to keep working for the course um, and making videos like that. And that was, I think, the scariest and also most interesting part of that was contributing my own voice to one of those videos Mm. like not just sitting behind the screen editing them together and trying to make them compelling and emotional but also being one of the interviewees contributing my own voice to that particular video called the power of protesting and helping to keep that perspective and that message would you say this is about like the thing you were discovering your own voice and perpetuating that Mm -hmm. into the future. Yeah. Yeah. And standing, standing behind what I believe, like not just saying, Oh yeah, no, I agree with that, but actually taking some kind of action. Um, I've been lucky enough to be able to donate some money uh, to causes that I believe in. Uh, Also the, the Georgia runoff race, which the black lives matter has Mm -hmm. been raising money for that, but also other groups as well, uh, which, I can't remember when that's done. Sometime in January, right? When does that finish? It's, it's like like a week and a half. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> when this episode comes out, you'll still have a couple days left to. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> a lot's at yeah. stake. A lot's yeah. at stake. Yeah. Do what you can if you can. Um, that was really important. That was a new. That was a very new thing this year, and I think helped by the fact that this year was so fucked, yeah. and I I felt that much more inspired to try and make it unfucked. <laughs> I I think it's really important too. I mean, I think to keep the momentum going because I feel like it's already. I mean, I feel like by um, I don't know September, people were already done. There's actually um a meme of Toy Story where it's Andy dropping Woody 
when he gets buzz <laughs> and it's like, I don't want to play with you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I feel like it's like Black Lives Matter is Woody because people are just like, yeah, okay. I'm like, now we got to focus on the election. So like that's that was a good th- project for summer. But now the election right. is Buzz Lightyear. Um, we did hold yeah. on to Black Lives Matter a lot longer than a lot of other issues we did. Yeah. Well, because because the injustices just kept coming. Yes. I mean, every time you thought of dropping it because well, I'm getting kind of bored with that. Oh, nope, someone else just got killed. Yep. Mm. You know? Right. <laughs> oh, my God. Yep. One hundred percent. Recently, like what, a couple of weeks ago, another kid in Los Angeles got shot. Well, he was like taking groceries into his apartment. Like, yeah, yeah. it doesn't stop people just because you don't necessarily hear about it in the news. It doesn't stop. Mm hmm. Anyway, um, on a more personal note, the other thing that I want to try and keep going this year, and this is going to be a little hard to explain, so I'm going to try and I'm going to try and like frame it. But um, my journey with exercise, just mm. over this year, but like the broader journey and my approach to it and my mentality around it, like to, a quick summary is basically, you know, as a kid, felt very pressured to exercise because I felt like I was a fat kid, even though I really wasn't all of that like sort of gay male pressure was just starting very young. And then when I moved to Los Angeles, the, a lot of the people that were very important in my life added to that pressure and really gave me this complex about feeling like I needed to look like this thin twink, which I didn't, I don't represent that in my own mindset, in my own life. I don't feel that way. And so feeling pressured to be that way was just worse. Um, and so I eventually rebelled against that in my mid to late 20s and was like, fuck that. I'm not going to do that anymore. And, and then it became this like gesture of, well, I am only going to do any kind of exercise because it makes me feel good mentally. I'm not going to I'm not going to even think once about how it, what kind of effect it has on me physically, because that's like a fuck you to all the people who maybe think that's what it should be. Like the only way to the only reason to do exercise was to look pretty. And I want to say I want to give a big fuck you to that. Um. And that wasn't really that helpful because I ended up just not exercising. Um, and because my, my self-care is not where it, I would like it to be. And so eventually I found soccer a year ago. And that was like revolutionary because now it was a way that I can enjoy it, get the exercise I wanted. But it still felt like, you know, like if I couldn't play soccer, well, then I wouldn't do it at all. And even though objectively it makes me feel good getting exercise, uh, it was still nothing. It wasn't something I could do as an act of self-care. It was only something I could do as an act of entertainment. Um, and then this, you know, COVID happened. Everyone got stuck at home and I couldn't do, I couldn't play soccer anymore. Um, and so I had to start figuring out other ways into that so that I could still feel good about myself. Um, but then also fighting that feeling of like, oh, but I don't want to feel pressured to look a certain way. Like if I am putting on weight because we're all in quarantine, well, so fucking what? Um, but that wasn't actually the point. The point was, making it an act of self-care, like mental self-care and keeping myself from uh, getting stuck in this pit of like flipping the bird to the people that have not been in my life for a decade at this point. And so finally came around to this realization like a few weeks ago, actually very recently that like I, I have control over so few things in my life, like especially now, like all of us do. And this is something that I can actually choose to do to make myself feel good like feel good mentally, physically, whatever. And this is, and I don't want to, I don't want to let the people in my past dictate in any way how I relate to exercise that that should be completely my choice. 
And if I choose to do it, it's because it'll make me feel good. Are, are you That's talking it. specifically about soccer or whatever you choose to do? Whatever I choose to do, which I can't play soccer, right? So it's mm -hmm. it's about finding other ways to get exercise and get the benefit of of having how good I felt playing soccer when I actually can't do that anymore. Yeah. Because um, it got taken off the table. I, I think that's just so important because so many people, and especially fat people, get bullied by the whole exercise. You must exercise. Mm -hmm. And and you, mm -hmm. the, the whole should. Anytime you're laboring into this should, well, you should care about yourself. You should exercise self-care. You should. And as soon as you phrase it that way, it's just deadly. And you've said that yourself, Michael, that as soon as it becomes mm -hmm. should, you don't care anymore or you can't mm -hmm. keep it up. It, and, yeah, yeah. And and I, I love that you're looking at this as what, not as how can I keep this aspect of my body from decaying, <laughs> which is such a non-motivator, <laughs> right. but really yeah, as uh, how can I use, how can I use my body? How can I use my physicality as another avenue of self-expression? Mm -hmm. Yes. And in a year that it has become so easy to let our self-care wane away without even realizing it, um, taking an action that I know I have control over, that I know I can do for myself as an act of self-care is really, really important. And also, like, I just, it just hit me the other day. I read an article that was basically about managing um, depression and it went off into a bunch of other areas, but one of the pieces of, it, pieces of advice was about tackling pessimism and self-defeating mentalities is like, what can you do? Mm -hmm. There are a lot of things that depress us or that get us down or whatever that we have no control over, that there's really nothing we can do. But there are other things that we can take actual actions and and help ourselves out. And in this case, self-care, that was a big one. Like this year, man, that was a really big one. Mm -hmm. So I want to keep doing that. Excellent. Yeah. Hurrah. Hooray. Don, what do you got? Let's see. I think uh, the thing that I wanted to hold on to is not exactly what we got in 1920, but what we started to get in 1920, which <laughs> is an improved Don? work from- Don? You're a century off, Don. <laughs> I, I value our lessons from the past. <laughs> I still don't know if he means 1920. Do you or, mean 1920? I don't know if you mean 1920, 2020, or- 2019. <laughs> I I think all of us should dress as flappers and zoot suits again. Like it's it's I miss this. Mm, um, yeah, so that. starting over again, in 2020 we started to uh, learn the work from home culture a lot better. Right. Mm -hmm. I've worked in a lot of industries where everyone could freaking work from home, but employers wouldn't let us mm. because they didn't trust us to actually do anything. Right. As though. We didn't actually have to produce material that they could freaking look at. <laughs> and right. like, yes, I made something for you. I made the thing you asked for <laughs> within the time you asked for it. Do you really care if I'm in the cubicle you provided or not? Well, it's about control. Um, it's about control. It's 100% about control. But now yeah. this year has shown a number of different high tech companies, at the very least, that they can send people home to do their work and mm -hmm. actually increase productivity. Um, I know a couple different gaming companies that have discovered that. I know Twitter discovered that early on. Um, and a lot of other companies are learning. You do not have to force your employees to be tethered to a desk, especially in a place like Los Angeles, where that means that that sacrifice for them because they have to spend two hours in traffic every day Absolutely. to make that happen. 
which exhausts them and gives you lower work quality. And for people so, who don't live here, we actually have a word for it. It's called the hyper commute, where you commute more than 45 minutes each way. Yeah. I mean, Ugh. that was standard for me mm -hmm. uh, when, when I had my office in Westwood. It's just, you know, especially, you know, if you actually had an, a job that required nine to five. Oh, my God. Like everyone mm -hmm. else, mm -hmm. it, it would break you and it, would, it actually damaged our quality of life. Right. However... What we got in 2020 was a little perhaps too much of the flip in the other direction. <laughs> we were completely isolated from each other. So, mm -hmm. I, But I think 2020 set up uh, the flip side of the model. Now, if we can just merge the two, where we can have healthy work from home situations with work centers that we can get together in when necessary. Um, and actually, we still need to form a bond with our coworkers. It's important. Uh, and that's difficult to do over Zoom. As, I, as we've all discovered. Uh, mm -hmm. Not impossible, but difficult. So I would like this work from home experiment to be a positive first step in a new direction for a new way for Americans to work mm. or, or around the yeah. world. I don't know what it's like to work in other countries. The other thing that I'm going to hold on to for this year is the Big Fat Gay Podcast. <laughs> now- I was going to say that. Yeah. Mm. Um, and, and let me put it in this way. I have discovered that I am a very good epitome of that old uh, story about two wolves inside of you. Uh, one is wonderful, light and fluffy. The other is dark, evil and hateful. Uh, and they're fighting <laughs> constantly. Which one wins? Well, it's the one you feed. Um, mm -hmm. I, I am a balanced person. I have got a lot of negativity that I am ready to put out there at a heart. You give me an excuse. I will let it fly. <laughs> so. It's good for me to have a channel or an, a, an intent to put something positive out there uh, that is purely me, right? Like, if you listen to this podcast, you are getting to know me. This is not a face. This is not a character any of us put on. Mm -hmm. uh, so it is me trying to put myself out in the world to make something positive. And I know it's like that for all three, for all four of us. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I know we are not the only ones. This year, I have seen more altruism more giving, more sacrifice than I ever expected from, from people. And that's what I would like to see. It's not just the Big Fat Gay Podcast. This is my version of what everyone is doing, of, of, of so, many of what I, so much of what I see going on right now. You know, I will never forget uh, the start of quarantine when all toilet paper disappeared from the shelves. <laughs> um, people would, would mention like, oh, I'm out of toilet paper. Oh, I've got some stockpiled. Here, let me give you some. Oh, that's friends not, dropping off toilet paper for friends. Yeah, oh my God. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And not charging people. There wasn't like a big scalper market for Charmin. <laughs> I can't spare giving. a square. <laughs> <laughs> people were giving. That happened for all the shortages that I saw this year, you know. And I thought you were going to talk I'm, about how ahead of the curve we were on recommending bidets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you heard it here so first. <laughs> the intent and desire and action to put something more positive out in the world. Salute to everyone out there who tried to do that in 2020. And let's keep doing it in 2021. You're here. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. I I, my, I told myself at the beginning of this, actually at the end of last year, when we recorded the first two episodes of this podcast, that my goal for doing the show, which by the way, I don't think I've talked about this before. I was not originally going to be on the show. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah. 
originally, when we first started talking about this, it was me, uh, it was Don mentioned that there there didn't seem to be a lot of talk about this these subjects. And then I said, well, I have my friend Dan, who knows a lot about this stuff. I should put you two in the same room. And then we all got together and Trevor was there hanging out with all of us. And I was on the fence. In fact, I think I was going to just offer to say, oh, I was just going to produce the show. I'd edit it. You know, you guys could. And I, you know, whatever, I'd be oh, a creative voice. We were never going to let that background. happen for the record. <laughs> and maybe that never would have happened. But I just remember there was this moment where Trevor joined the conversation. And, and then there was all four of us talking and instantly it clicked. And yeah. I was like, OK, this is something I want to be a part of. Yeah. And, and as soon as it was, all, it, was, it was all four of us, that was what drew me in. And I told myself my measure of success for this show was if by the by at some point by the end of the run, whenever that may be, if I could have reached at least one young chaser who was lost and didn't know what was what, if I could have reached that person and helped that person, then it was all worth it. And I don't know for a hundred percent certain that that has been the case, but I feel like given the episode we did recently about chasers and people writing in, I feel really, really good about what we've been able to do this year. I don't want to like aggrandize our show or whatever, but I just really am happy with having had the opportunity to bring these subjects up for people that might not have heard them talked about before. Well, it might be a good idea to point out at this point for our listeners that the reason I think we're being so nostalgic and retrospective is this really is the one year mark for us because our first episode mm -hmm. was 2020, what, January 1? First, yes. literally the January 1st, yeah. Wednesday. Ah, uh, remember, uh, remember that. Remember, remember the start of the year. <laughs> no, <laughs> we had no idea, did we? Oh, uh, <laughs> well, uh, that seems appropriate. Oh, do we have a tip? No, uh, the tip is Happy New Year. <laughs> okay. Well, then New that year. seems like a great segue into our bit for the day. <laughs> oh, wow! Yay! Um, so I, originally, I was going to come up with some clever new twist on the game we're playing. But since we've already got into mature content, we're going to go ahead and call this Fuck, Mary Kill 2020 <laughs> edition. Yes. Yay. <laughs> All right. So I've got a list of uh, different things to ask each of you individually and one question for the group. And if for those of you out there who are not familiar with Fuck, Mary Kill, I am going to suggest three things to each of our players uh, that are sort of of equal value in my mind. I've tried to sort of cluster them together as best mm -hmm. I can. And they have to pick one that they want to keep for all time. Mary. One they just want to have a ridiculously passionate roll yourself in it moment. Fuck. And one that you just want to fucking push off a cliff for all time. Thank you. <laughs> um, and so, Dan, I'm gonna I'm gonna make you lead us off. <gasps> and this is the this is the trio that it's obvious. It has to go on this list for 2020. Uh-huh. Dan. Fuck Mary Kill. Donald Trump. Mitch McConnell, <laughs> Stephen Miller. Oh, oh God, Jesus! I they're starting mean and they get better. <laughs> so okay, so it, I I just can't kill all three, right? Um, nope, uh, nope. God, you you're choose. gonna have to fuck one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe even two of them. All if right, you, the marriage goes well. <laughs> all right, <laughs> all right. I think I could probably hate fuck Stephen Miller. Okay, uh, <laughs> I think I could do. I think I could do justice to that. Um, Good choice. <laughs> um, Mary. Oh God. Uh, oh, all right, all right. I think that.
that if the legacy of Donald Trump could be the biggest loser, I would marry that. <laughs> the man who insisted on losing after losing after losing every time we did a recount. I think that should go on mm. indefinitely. So I'd marry that. Okay. I like and then it. Mitch McConnell like needs to die. I'm surprised he's still living. Is he? Are we sure he's still living? I've seen Well, you can take care of that right now. Maybe some red hot zombie action going on. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Good choices. Good choices. Your lovely trio of fuck, marry, kill includes Miss Jillian Michaels, (laughs) Miss J.K. Rowling, and Mr. Jeff Bezos. Oh. Hmm. Oh, man. (laughs) Okay. Well, I would marry... Jeff Bezos, because then I could get into that, get into oh, that yeah. bank and do some, get all that money and do some. Could, good with I it. could like take a million dollars and give it to something, and it would be like, huh? Like if you take five dollars out of someone's pocket, and they're like, I, I could have sworn I had a five, but I guess <laughs> I have. I guess, but not. there's a twenty here, so it doesn't right. matter. That's right. Um, I would, I guess, fuck J.K. Rowling because hmm. I could, um. I don't know, sit on her face <laughs> and uh, maybe <laughs> um, get sit some uh, get some Harry Potter questions her. answered in <laughs> Pillow Talk. Pillow Talk style. Um, I like something, it. I and like actually it. something, because Dan and I watched uh, the Harry Potter movies before Christmas, like s- such questions include, was Jesus a wizard? <laughs> yeah oh. that's a good question <laughs> oh come on trevor you need to tell them you're real oh my okay. god no this isn't a question this is this oh is something god. that i hate jk rowling for for dropping this turd of a factoid and pun intended oh no at some point for pottermore she wrote something about how wizards used to not have uh you know before plumbing they didn't have chamber pots at hogwarts they would just shit their pants and magic it away what they she would just that apparently yes it, i will link to it i need my uh someone make a note to make sure that i put this in the episode <laughs> oh no, i won't forget oh, it is no. something that haunts me i wish i never knew this because it's like what the actual like where does it go you just can't magic it away and has Baby, to go so I wish, thanks for I wish sharing you... that trevor oh hold on and i killed jillian michaels obviously <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that, that, that was the game anyone yeah <laughs> anyone please just all Make right, Michael. Yay, I'm excited. You've got a couple like little euphemisms in this one, but I think you'll get the point I'm trying to get across. I can handle a little euphemism, just not a big one. Fuck, Mary kill 2020. The celebrities who sang Imagine in a lovely outreach of <laughs> something to people. Celebrities who told people how to socially distance from their jacuzzis while drinking champagne and smoking cigars. Or politicians who told us to socially distance and then dined at the French Laundry or rented private islands for getaways with their friends. Oh, oh man. Okay. I uh, I dislike them all. <laughs> I would marry the celebrities in their jacuzzis because then whenever the quarantine ends, I could invite all my friends over to hang out in those jacuzzis mm-hmm. after the vaccine gets widely spread i feel like that would be a good way to and what to you're that you're allergic positive. to private islands what uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh i i would i i would uh fuck the celebrities who sang imagine just because if i was for instance if their mouth was involved in that process they wouldn't be able to sing 
and then <laughs> it could they could I could literally shut them up with a a little with well placed <laughs> nobody nobody knows this I don't think you guys even know this I'm wearing a shirt that was given to me for Christmas uh, that has a picture of Santa Claus on it and it says Big Nick Energy <laughs> and I would just channel that. <laughs> I would just <laughs> Trevor just lost his headphones. That's awesome. <laughs> I would channel that right into that process. Just shut them right up. Uh, they can they can suck on it, and uh, they certainly can. And finally, uh, kill those politicians because uh, politicians. Honestly, uh, was there ever really a question about that? Fucking politicians. All right. So we have an all play on the last one. Okay. You need one. Are you going to so answer this one? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. For our all play, fuck Mary Kill. People sharing what they had during quarantine, like toilet paper and yeast. Hmm. People checking in with each other's mental health, having a daily built in excuse to avoid social events you didn't want to go to anyway. Ooh. <laughs> 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 My gift oh. to the three of you. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> I, I I am going to pose uh, the daily excuse to avoid social events as the kill option because I would have loved to have gone to some social events this year. No, but events you didn't want to go to. Yeah, but I feel like even something would have been better than nothing. I, I'm kind of with you, Michael, because a lot of times, you know, because it's kind of like kind of like when a lot of people set up a date that they did on the Internet. And like when you set the date up, you were really horny. But now that the times they're like, I'm not horny. I'm just going to ghost right. this person. Uh -huh. And I feel like a lot of times there's stuff that I set up events that I, I, I really should go to that. And, and after I go, I feel so much better, but now in quarantine, yeah. I don't go anywhere. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't would, know. I, I like that. that, but <laughs> <laughs> I guess I do feel like Dick. Cause I, I mean, I am, you know, major Gemini energy. So it's like, I don't want to go to the thing, but then I go and I enjoy it, but it's like, I don't, you know, I, I oh, are you I, kidding? You are so much more major Gemini than that. You are like, I do not want to go, and I really want to go, but I don't want to go, and I really want to go. <laughs> and I'm like, honey, I can't help there. That's not an option to do neither and both. <laughs> All right, so we got two that want to kill the social gathering issue. What do you think? What are you thinking about killing, Trevor? Uh, I was gonna kill. <laughs> I'm so bad saying this now because I feel like uh, I am in the inverse of everyone else's choices. <laughs> kill people checking in on you because there was just a point in quarantine where like someone would message me like how are you doing and it's uh. like first of all how dare you <laughs> <laughs> like how are you became such a loaded question during quarantine mm. and i think it also just kind of showed like how awful mundane conversations can be yeah um especially Fair. like just i mean the general, like, how are you is actually like a, just a terrible question, I think. And just being in the stasis of like, nothing's really changing. Like, mm -hmm. I watched, you know, a season of this show today. <laughs> that is that is a completely fair answer. I, I will not mock that answer at all. Um, all right. So that is the that is the kill. I suggest that we fuck the people who are sharing their resources because that can be part of your trade. Like you can say, okay, you give me some toilet paper, I'll fuck you in exchange. Oh, that's very helpful. I like that. And you're going to need yeah. that toilet paper it's... after you get fucked. <laughs> 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 and it has that built-in hole. Oh, dear. <laughs> you know, for when they're oh, not around. Man. All right. So for Michael wants to fuck the sharers. 
<laughs> yes. I will also fuck the sharers. <laughs> Trevor will also fuck the sharers. Damn. Uh, at this point, I'll fuck anybody. That's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, I um, Sure, I'll go with that. That sounds all right. Okay. Lots of sharers getting fucked. All right. And the Marys. I would marry the people who are checking in because I feel like, you know, part of a part of a good marriage is doing the thing that's probably going to annoy the shit out of the other person because it comes from a good place. Like, you, it's not necessarily always going to be happy clappy, but you're still going to do it because it's the right thing to do. I it's it's funny because you know Trevor and I are married, and a a question that does pass between us is how are you doing? How are you? How's it going? <laughs> and, and it's 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 funny because you know I I'm far more verbal than Trevor, though you never know it by this show because he's obviously the funnier of us. <laughs> <laughs> but you know I've learned to read Trevor's varying degrees of fine, like I'm fine, and there's mm. like I'm fine. And I'm fine. 50 shades of fine. Yeah, it's 50 shades of fine. And so like, you know, I really have, you know, you've got to listen to the how the, how's the fine coming along, you know, mm. and Trevor. <laughs> I mean, I guess I forgot there was a Miriam. I was just like, kill, kill, kill. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, that's my hubby. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was going to say Mary. Um excuses to not go to things i don't want to he loves that <laughs> oh he loves it's like so oh much. no i can't do the thing i didn't want to do oh mm. um, <laughs> again a completely acceptable answer ah <laughs> uh, well thank you everybody for yeah. sharing I, your bits <laughs> insight into our our year you know everything about us now and you That's can tell fair. us how you're feeling on social media we're on, fuck Mary yes. kill. <laughs> We're on Instagram and Twitter as uh, at Big Fat Gay Pod. We're on Facebook as the Big Fat Gay Podcast. Leave us five stars there. Leave us five stars and a review on Apple or Stitcher. Check out all the yeah. stuff we talked about, including the tweet about vanishing poop at www.bigfatgaypod.com. Yay, we did it. Oh my God. It's, what a wonder. He nailed it. He nailed it. Nailed it. That's 100%. The Trevor, it uh, only took a year. That's, yeah. That's, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if at first you don't succeed, for, try 45 more times. Yeah. 45 <laughs> episodes. The, the number of podcasts you need to do before you perfect your outro is 45. <laughs> it's 10,000 hours or 45 podcasts. <laughs> Uh, maybe you're writing out your your New Year's conservations as you're listening to the end of this. Um, and then there's a, a wrapping at your door. And it's oh. it's um, all of us. Hi. With mask, masked Hello. and apart. And we're giving you some toilet paper because you're about to get <laughs> fucked. <laughs> Married. Look <And> out. That was a full year, everybody. 45 episodes down, an unknown number to go.